morning. Well, I'm glad you're here today. Uh, And here's why. Uh, Because I don't put a lot of stock in fate or chance or luck or even routines. I'm glad you're here because I know that God has something that he wants to share with you this morning. And I know that he wants to speak into your heart and speak into your life. And I'm asking today that you would open your ears to listen for him to speak to you. So will you do that? So before I start, I need to tell you one important thing right from the get-go, right from the onset. I I am the worst possible selection to be delivering this message today. (laughs) This passage just does not line up with me. I even showed it to my wife, and she said, oh, that's not good. (laughs) See, originally I was supposed to speak last week, but I couldn't, so Pastor Nan and I had to switch. So, So today... I'm speaking on Luke 27 to 36, 6, 27 to 36. And just as a spoiler alert, this is all about loving your neighbor and turning the other cheek and going the extra mile, and that's just not me. (laughs) See, I'm the kind of guy that if I'm looking for a movie, I want a revenge movie. You know, I want something where the good guy, right, the good guy goes into a little bit of trouble, and the bad guy in the end gets what he deserves. I even get mad at some movies because the bad guy didn't get it bad enough. (laughs) Like, what'd you shoot him for? Don't shoot him. Make him suffer for a while, right? (laughs) Let's stretch this thing out a little bit. Let's hurt this guy a little bit, right? And then I'm handed this passage like I'm supposed to do this, right? But that's me. In fact, I found, I don't know if any of you remember Craigslist uh, personal notes, personal ads, right? And oftentimes they were, um, I saw you in the coffee shop and you were wearing a red dress and I was wearing a Seahawk jersey and our eyes met and we smiled and and please contact me. It was was that kind of a personal ad, right? So so I found one that I really liked, right? And and this is a a little bit different, okay? Um, But this is how it goes and this will tell you a little bit probably a little bit too much about me, Um, but I like this, right? So this, here's how it goes. To the guy who tried to mug me in downtown night before last, I was the guy wearing the black jacket that you demanded I hand over shortly after you pulled the knife on me and my girlfriend, threatening our lives. You also asked for my girlfriend's purse and earrings. I can only hope that you somehow come across this rather important message. First, I'd like to apologize for your embarrassment. I didn't expect you to actually wet your pants when I drew my pistol after you took my jacket. (laughs) The evening was not that cold, and I was wearing a jacket for a reason. My girlfriend had just bought me that pistol for my birthday, and we picked up a shoulder holster for it that very evening. Obviously, you agree that it can be very intimidating when a weapon is pointed at your head. I know it probably wasn't fun walking back to wherever you had come from, I'm sure it was even worse walking back barefoot since I made you leave your shoes, cell phone, and wallet with me. (laughs) After I called your mother, or mama, as you had listed on your cell phone, I explained the entire episode of what you'd done. Then I went and filled up my gas tank as well as four other people's in the gas station on your credit card. (laughs) The guy with the big motorhome took 150 gallons and was extremely (laughs) grateful. I gave your shoes to a homeless guy along with all the cash in your wallet. That made his day. I then threw your wallet, 
with ID into the big pink pimp mobile that was parked at the curb. After I had broken the windshield and side window and keyed the entire driver's side of the car. With your cell phone, I managed to get in two threatening phone calls to the district attorney's office and one to the FBI while mentioning the president as a possible target. The FBI guy seemed really intense as we had a nice long chat. I guess he was tracing your number. I feel this type of retribution was an appropriate punishment for your intended crime. I wish you well as you try to sort through some of these immediate pressing issues and can only hope that you have the opportunity to reflect upon and perhaps reconsider the career path you have chosen in life. <laughs> like, yeah, like we love that, don't we? Right? I mean, not very Jesus, but come on, right? He got his, right? Right? We love it. We love it. We love it. And it would be great if you weren't having to preach about what I'm about to speak on today. So I'm handed this message that I have to speak upon. And you might think that the hardest part about speaking a message is standing up in front of a bunch of people. But that's not it. The hardest part about delivering a message is God speaks to you first. And he deals with you first. And then hopefully through that, he gives me his word so that I can impart it with you. So God still speaks. So before we begin, will you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for ultimately your truth, Father God. Um, I pray, Lord, that you will speak into our hearts and into our lives. I pray, Lord, that we will have ears to listen and hearts to listen, and that we will seek you with all of our heart and all of our soul. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So we're continuing in this series um, of Luke, um, Pastor Dan, uh, last week. Um, I thought that was really interesting how he approached it, because originally I was going to do it, as I said, so I'd already kind of started down that road, and I took a completely different approach than he did. So I thought it was really interesting that I was focusing on this, and he was focusing on this. So it's interesting how different people will look at the same passage together. But, but let's go back a little bit. Let's look at what he had to say. Um, and if you weren't here or don't remember, I'll, I'll recap really quickly. Um, Jesus went up to the mountain and he prayed for the whole night, which in and of itself impresses the heck out of me, right? Because 30 seconds is about as long as I can go with a prayer before my mind wanders off to something else. But for the whole night, Jesus prayed. And then he came down back off of the mountain. And then he looked at all the people that were following him. People that were just interested. Uh, people that were actual disciples. And from those disciples, he chose his 12. And we were reminded from Pastor Dan that, 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 uh, that before we make a big decision, we need to make sure that we pray about it. That we need to constantly be in prayer. Pastor Dan reminded us that the effective prayer of the righteous can accomplish much. And then we prayed. Remember that? About 30 seconds. Kind of dead air on the recording. I used to be a radio guy, so that really bugged me when I would listen to the message. But it's like dead air for 30 seconds. But we prayed for 30 seconds. And Jesus chose his 12. And Pastor Dan reminded us that God is still in the business of choosing people. You were chosen by God to carry the name of Jesus into your workplace, into your school, into your family, and into your home. And this morning, I read, I read a devotional, and it was in Romans 16. Go back and read it. 
It's really cool to have read it this morning, but Paul goes through and he lists all of these people who are doing the works of God. All of these people whose names, if I threw them out now, you wouldn't know if they were in the Bible or not because they're just random one-time lists of names. People that were in jail working God, doing God's work. People that were offering up their home so that people could come and gather. People that were, were uh, uh, doing the hard things for Jesus. All these names. Romans 16. Go back and look at that. But we were chosen by God. And we also learn that Jesus gave his disciples power and authority in his name. And that's why the kingdom is here now. In Edgewood, in Fife, in Puyallup, and throughout the world. Because people no longer have to run to the good news. The good news runs to them. It runs to the lost, the poor, the brokenhearted, as we, you and I, go out into the world. So will somebody please tell, tell Pastor Dan that I was paying attention and I did take notes. So we're continuing our series in Luke, and now we're in Luke 6, beginning with verse 27, and this is what it says. But I say to you who hear. But I say to you who hear. Oh my goodness, Pete's not going to stop here, is he? Yeah, I am. Because we go right by this stuff. But look at what he says. But I say to you who hear. Because there's somebody here today that I know doesn't think that God speaks anymore. And if that's you, he's about to. Jesus is about to speak. He speaks through his word. He speaks through other people. But look at the words carefully. We open up God's word and he says, but I say to you who hear. So it's not unconditional. His love is unconditional. But the hearing part, that's on you. And that's on me. We have to choose to hear. This is the way the Message Bible puts it. To those who are ready for the truth, I say this. See, sometimes God speaks, he just doesn't say what we want him to say. So we think he's not talking to us. Right? The original Greek reads like this. But to you, I say, to those hearing, and this word hearing is where we get in English our word acoustic. The word in Greek is akousin. And this is what it means. It means to hear, to listen, to perceive, to seek to understand, and to comprehend. It's attentive hearing. It means you have a part to play in all of this. Jesus says, I'm about to say something to anybody who cares to listen. So the question this morning is, is that you? Because, in case you weren't aware, God still speaks. He still speaks. So here's what Jesus says after he says that. He says some crazy stuff. He says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And who's he saying it to? He's saying it to us, and he's also saying it to a lot of people right now who are under Roman oppression. They are being ruled by the Romans. And these are their enemies. And the Romans are using torture and murder 
to get people to fall in line. And everyone listening to Jesus hears this, love your enemies, and they have a hundred reasons to say, there's no way that's happening. Because these people have either killed or murdered or done something to my family. But Jesus says, love your enemies. Now this is written by Luke. And Luke, in case you weren't aware, is not a dummy. He's a very smart man. He's a physician. He uses big college words, I call them. He uses, you know, really big words, right, when he writes. He's very descriptive in his writing. So when we see enemy, it doesn't just mean bad person. In this case, when he writes the word enemy, the Greek word is actually, it's a military enemy. It's somebody who's intent on inflicting harm on you. Somebody who's trying to get to you and hurt you from a military position. So enemy is not just a casual, I don't like that person very much, kind of a comment. It's enemy. We don't really face that today, you and I. But this is who Jesus is talking to. And he's telling them, you have to love those people. Imagine that. They're waiting for their Messiah to come and rescue them. And he's saying, no, you've got to love them. Love that person. So maybe you and I, maybe we have hate in our heart for another person. And maybe we don't know how to deal with that. And Jesus says, love them. And maybe our prayer begins like this. Let's be honest. Jesus, I hate that person. Will you help me to love them? See, prayer ultimately, it doesn't change God and it doesn't change that person. It changes us. Jesus is saying, love that person. Love your enemy. Praying for your enemy opens up the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's quit living in this reality. Let's live in our spiritual bodies. Let's live like we were called. Let's open up the work of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was up on the cross and he looked down at the people who had crucified him and he said, Father, forgive them. Is there any doubt that he had love for them? Same for us. When I was a kid, there was a politician by the name of Hubert Humphrey. Anybody remember Hubert Humphrey? Oh, thank you. Yeah, the older I get, the fewer hands go up. (laughs) Hubert Humphrey, Hubert H. Humphrey, HHH. He was from Minnesota. He was the former vice president of the United States. And he was one of those guys everybody liked. He was just a likable person. So whether you were Democrat or Republican, didn't matter. Everybody liked Hubert Humphrey. He was a likable guy. So when he passed away and his body was in state in the rotunda in Washington, D.C., leaders from all over the world came to to pay their respects. And people from both parties came to pay their respects. And everybody was welcome. Everybody except one person. And his name was Richard Nixon. And if you know your history, Richard Nixon had just put himself and the country through Watergate, one of the worst political scandals of the time. And he was going to be impeached and he had to resign. And he resigned. But, but he showed up. And nobody wanted to be near him. Nobody wanted their picture taken near the guy. Nobody really wanted to talk to the guy. He obviously felt the rebuff. Eyes would look away. Conversations would stop when he came near. People would step away. So he stood off by himself. And then the president came into the room. Jimmy Carter was the president. Jimmy Carter, 
probably then and now one of the most honest, likable politicians ever. Jimmy Carter just turned 95, by the way. Jimmy Carter still teaches Sunday school one day a month at his small little church in Georgia. Jimmy Carter still works for Habitat for Humanity. Jimmy Carter walks into the room, and Jimmy Carter's about to sit down. And just before he sits down, he sees Richard Nixon over there by himself. And he stops, and he gets up, and he walks over to him. And he puts out his hand, and he smiles. And he shakes his hand, and he gives him a big hug. And he says to him, Welcome home, Mr. President. Welcome home. And this is what Newsweek said. Newsweek reported this. He said, if there, they said, if there was a turning point in Nixon's long ordeal in the wilderness, it was that moment and that gesture of love and compassion. So can I challenge you and I this morning? Can I challenge us? Would we be willing to set aside our pride over to the side and listen to God speak? And when he does speak, can we walk across that room, whatever that means to you, and show a little love and mercy and compassion. I don't know what that means to you, but I hope that makes sense. I'll give it a shot, if you'll give it a shot. Verse 29, whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. I like this one. I do. Not for the reason Jesus said it, but I can make it mean what I like it to mean. See, if you come up and you hit me, I'll give you another shot. <laughs> hit me again. But then, game on, right? Right? Then let's party, right? Let's go, right? That's my attitude. That's how I translate this. Because I did just what Jesus told me to do. You hit me once, hit me again. Okay, my turn. <laughs> Probably not what he meant, but... So, so what he's saying now is called the Sermon on the Plain, and it, and it may be the same thing as the Sermon on the Mount. We don't know if it's the same time or whether it was two different messages. But here's what he said on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, an eye for an eye, this is from Matthew, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. So let's put this back into cultural perspective. Okay? So it sounds pretty simple, but here's the cultural perspective. Okay? The time and the place where Jesus existed was under Roman occupation. A nation subject to the Roman laws as well as the Jewish laws. So this kind of thing would have fallen under Jewish law. Jesus didn't say cheek or cheeks. He said right cheek. So how do I hit you in the right cheek? Here's one way, right? I can take my left hand and slap your, your, your right cheek because we're standing in front of each other. My left hits your right cheek, right? But that's not possible under the culture because the left hand is unclean. So we don't touch anybody with our left hand. And that's still true today in some cultures in the Middle East. Okay? I'm only going to hit you with my right hand. And with my right hand, I'm going to take you and I'm going to slap you across the right cheek like this. And that is not an assaultive kind of a blow. That's an insultive kind of a blow. 
This is the kind of thing that we would do to somebody who's inferior to us. So a master would do that to a slave. Legal. Legal in Jewish culture. A husband, sorry ladies, in the time, a husband would do that to a wife. Because culturally that's how it was. A parent would do it to a child. A left hand insulting blow. And then what did Jesus say? Well, if they do that, offer them the other cheek. Offer them the left cheek. How do I hit you that way? It's got to be like this. This is an assaultive blow. Okay? And to an inferior, not legal. I can't do this. I can only do this to an equal. So what Jesus was saying was, stand up and offer yourself as an equal. You're not inferior. You're an equal. So hit me on that cheek. They wouldn't do it. You put them in a very bad position by doing this. Because they have no recourse. They're almost in that position where don't make me do that. I can't do that. That's what Jesus was saying. So super Pete, what's that have to do with my life? I'm glad you asked. Because I'm going to get to that in just a little bit here. What's the next thing he says? He said if somebody offers to take your cloak or sues you for your cloak, offer them your coat as well. So remember, they're not wearing three-piece suits. What are they wearing? Two garments, an inner garment and an outer garment. What are they suing you for? Your outer garment. Where are they taking you to? Jewish court. Okay? So what's Jesus say? He says if they want your coat, give them your other shirt as well. That does a whole bunch of things. One, it makes you naked. Okay? Which brings great shame on you, but guess what? Also great shame on them. What else does the Jewish law say? Well, this is what it says from Deuteronomy. If the neighbor's poor, do not go to sleep with the pledge in your possession. Return their cloak by sunset, because that's what they slept in. It was their outer cloak. Then they will thank you, and it will be regarded as a righteous act in the sight of your Lord. So even if they take your outer coat, they've got to return it by the end of the day. And if you've given them both, you've heaped a whole lot of stuff onto that person. Because they don't want the other garment. And then, plus, they have to find you at night. So Jesus says, go ahead and give it to them. That's great, Pete. What's that have to do with real life? I'm glad you asked. Because I'm going to get there in just a second. How about the extra mile, right? During Jesus' day, the law of the land gave a Roman soldier the right to force anyone to carry their gear for one mile. What was one mile? Well, in the Roman world, it was 1,000 steps. So if a Roman stopped you and said, here, carry this for me, you were under obligation to carry it for one mile. And oftentimes it was counted out. One, two, three. You got to 1,000, you put it down and you went away. Because that's all you were required to do. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, go another mile. Go a second mile. If your enemy compels you to walk with him one mile, go with him two. 
And that's been the phrase we've used, we've used ever since, to go the extra distance, to go the extra mile. What did the Romans want? The Romans, that put them in a very bad spot because it was against the law to make them, to have them make you walk more than one mile. So by going two, you were putting them in a very bad position. Great, Pete. What's that have to do with me? I'm going to tell you. Another person's requests or words or actions do not impact who you are in Christ. No matter what you face, it doesn't change who you are in Christ. I have somebody that I know that does some things to me, and I know this person does it on purpose. I know they do. And it makes me really angry, and I want revenge, because that's part of who I am. But in reality, it doesn't change who I am in Christ. So if I have to take care of that thing for that person, I just take care of it. Because I'm not going to let them impact me. Christ is saying the same thing to us. I don't know if you've seen that insurance commercial where the guy's got the discount. And it's a little safe driving discount. And the guy next to him is gunning his car. Like, come on, let's race. Like, come on, let's do it. Right? You know that commercial? And what's the guy say? He says, don't mess with my discount. Well, you can do the same thing. Don't mess with my identity. Look at your enemy and say, don't mess with my identity. You can't do it. I know who I am in Christ. And if you don't know, find out. Because it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. So can I challenge you once more, both of us, all of us, would we be willing to set our convenience to the side and listen for God to speak? And when he does, will we, will we be willing to go a little bit farther? Verse 30, give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. So when I think of enemies today, for me, enemies to me are people that irritate me. People that bother me, just in kind of the way they are. Okay? And without looking to your left or your right, maybe you can think of somebody. Okay. They're people that just bother me. And maybe they're people you know, or maybe they're just people that are out there, and it's just their kind of their personality and makeup. And I'll tell you who it is for me, and it's partially because of where I work. But people that really irritate me are people on the street that ask me for money. It just makes me angry. It really bothers me. And I can kind of see them and try to avoid them and that kind of thing, but it just bothers the heck out of me. Probably shouldn't, but it just, it just something in my makeup is just like, like, dude, get a job. Come on. It's not that hard. That's a good economy. 
Uh, it, just, it just frustrates me. So, so yesterday, I dropped Monica off at work about 6.45 in the morning. We do our little Saturday morning conversation thing in the car. I drop her off, and I'm a few blocks away. I'm up in the hilltop area in Tacoma. And she calls me and says, I think I left something in the car. So I said, I'll pull over. I pulled over. I'm looking through the car. And I hear this voice from half a block away say, do you have any spare change? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and even if I did, I probably would have said no. And then Monica calls me back and says, I found it. I said, great. So I get back in my car, I pull back on the main road. I go down, I go past this guy. Now the trouble is, I've been watching this guy on YouTube by the name of Todd White. If you haven't watched Todd White, watch Todd White. Right, Debbie? Debbie, yeah. Yeah. He will really challenge your faith, right? Not only in healing, but just in the way he approaches people. And he'll go up to anybody and tell them Jesus loved them. And he's got one where he's stuck in traffic and he rolls the window down in his car. And he's like, hey, talking to people in the next car. Hey, Jesus loves you, man. And I'm just like, wow, I'd like to be more like that, right? So I'm stopped at a stoplight and I see the guy coming down the street, right? God's like, what do you got in your wallet? So I'm like, all right. So I look, and I got a $1 bill and a $20 bill, right? <laughs> he only asked for change, and I just remind you. <laughs> so I see him coming, and I'm like, oh, I'm giving him the dollar, right? And God's like, nope. And I've been through this too many times with God to try to negotiate because it never works, right? He always wins. So I'm like, okay, I'll give him the 20. So then I'm looking and then I don't see him. And I'm like, oh, you were just testing me, God, right? Just, okay. Because I was going to do it, right? So I'm good, right? I can, I can go through my day now knowing that I would have done the good thing. Uh, but, but then I see him. I'm like, all right. So I'm, I'm over on the side of the road, and cars are, like, actually going around me and stuff, so I'm waiting for the guy. And I'm like, well, I'm just not going to give it to him, though, right? Because I'm thinking of Todd White, right? So I rolled down my window. And I said, hey. And he stopped, and I stick my hand out. And I said, what's your name? And he said, Michael. And I said, Michael, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And I want you to know that I'll be praying for you. And I, I said, here's, here's something for you. You know, and I gave him the $20 bill. And he said, I'm going to McDonald's, like, right? And I'm like, eat a lot, right? <laughs> Did I do the right thing? I don't know, right? Was it the right? I don't know. Do I want my 20 bucks back? Probably, right? <laughs> but I got the chance to tell somebody that Jesus loved them, Right? And if that's all I got, if, that, if he heard it, if that's the little seed that I got to plant, who knows, right? Because it's really not up to me. That's the one great thing I've learned from Todd White. All we're doing is planting seeds, right? We see the, the, the result, awesome, but not, maybe that's all we're supposed to do, right? So, so maybe that's what we should all do. Let's try to love more. Let's try to reach out more. Let's try to find more people and tell them that Jesus loves them, okay? And Jesus continues, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, 
for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Kind of like me. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So can I challenge us one more time this morning? Can we set our anger aside and listen to God speak? And when he does, can we be who we are in Christ and show mercy and compassion? I'll give it a shot if you will. Let me call the worship team back up here as I close with this. Uh, I'm going to leave you with one more verse. Uh, This is from Jeremiah, and this is for all of you who are looking for God to speak once more. Or if you haven't heard him yet, hear him right now. This is what it says. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. If you're struggling today with anger or or bitterness or or you're waiting to hear for God to speak, I want you to know that I would love to pray with you. And we'll have other people up here who would love to pray with you as well. Okay, you're not alone. Please don't walk out of this door this morning without being prayed for if you need it. Okay, God loves you. Know who you are in Christ. And let's go out there and love people. Let's love the unlovable. And let's be Jesus with skin on. Will you do that? Let's close in prayer. Father God, thank you, Lord, for today, Lord. Uh, Thank you for everybody that's here, Father God. I pray that you would speak into each heart that's here today, Lord, including mine, Lord. Lord, guide us, direct us. Give us your eyes, Lord. Give us your heart. Give us your love. Give us your mercy. Give us your compassion. And help us to love the unlovable. And help us to remember all that you have done for us. So we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.